Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature, Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm your other host. I'm Chris Henry at the EAA Aviation Museum. And today is one of my favorite days. I love when we have guests. It's uh, it always... Uh, it, it lightens us up from doing all the talking, you know. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> and, Would you, uh, you want to tell us who we have here? Yeah, we have a great guest, a good uh, a good friend of mine, uh, uh, hailing all the way from uh, New England, uh, one of uh, basically a Boston icon. Uh, uh, my my good my good friend uh, Jordan Rich of WBZ Radio. Jordan, welcome to the microphones again. Wow, being called an icon, I, uh, <laughs> I have to adjust my ego here. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Nice to talk well, to you, Jim, and nice to meet you, Chris. Yeah, yeah same it, here. Nice to meet you. It's been great. Jordan gave me my big break on radio, uh, at my second my second life in radio with uh, when I did my well when I started doing my TV dad show. Uh, Jordan would have me on to talk about dads and and fatherhood and parenting and all kinds of topics uh, on his uh, late night radio program every Father's Day. And uh, gosh, we've been doing this for decades now, Jordan. So it's been a great time. And uh, Jordan has the world's one of the world's greatest Rolodexes. He's, you know, a, a lot of the people that we're talking about in this show, he's had on on his show. And uh, this this particular minute focuses on uh, on one of his guests, uh, Mr. Dick Cavett. Uh, Jordan, how what was your interactions like with him? Well, I had the great honor of interviewing him by phone a couple of times, and uh, he's always been one of my favorite people in terms of his wit, his ability as an interviewer, and. Uh, and also his personal story, which uh, mirrors a lot of people. So I had a chance to talk with him at length twice, and he was a, a, as erudite and as sharp and as warm and friendly as you can imagine. Very, very smart man, a very decent guy, and uh, what a life he's led. Wow. Yeah, he he's it's amazing. I mean, he started out uh, working for Carson, and uh, he took Carson's Tonight Show format and perfected him for himself. I mean, he, every I, I can remember as a kid watching the Cabot Show and thinking that you know your brain cells grew as as you watched him. <laughs> exactly, and and his his ability to bring in guests, uh, you know, Marlon Brando, Alfred Hitchcock, Woody Allen, and so many other huge names that didn't often do talk shows at that time or ever. And uh, he had a particular way of, of loosening people up. And, uh, and the other aspect of Dick Cavett uh, that is more personal, of course, is the fact that, you know, he's been known and he came out of the shadows as somebody who's dealt with and, and con- conquered his own uh, bouts of depression. And yeah. that is something that's a story that needs to be told. And he's been an inspiration to me and millions of others because he's He's learned how to cope and deal with uh, with a an, an illness that affects one out of three or one out of four people in the world. And he did this during a time when it wasn't considered something that was um, it, it it was considered something to hide, something to be right. you know shunned. And I think he his uh, gosh his his celebrity uh, changed changed that just in, in in being able to to know his story. So. Indeed, Jim, and uh, you know stigma is still there in some cases, but it's it's breaking apart thanks to celebrities of his nature. So uh, we owe him a great debt. Yeah, and uh, 
uh, seeing him, uh, he was, uh, he is a great entertainer. Um, and just, it, it's funny seeing this, uh, this opening monologue that he was doing on the set while, uh, Ken Mattingly watches him with a beer in hand. Uh, yeah. the, the jokes are extremely dated. And it's, it's, yeah, uh, absolutely. The, the line about this, the astronaut bachelor astronaut going into space mm-hmm. with a Hershey bar and nylons. Of course, that's a world war two reference. If you're, yeah. <laughs> overseas GIs traveling to foreign lands and, you know, looking for a little respite from the war. But I, I yeah, but it was, it was so cool that they used the actual footage, of course, and, uh, and it puts you right back into that time zone. Yeah. And it does, I mean, it, it brings us back to the days when all of our news was carried on the three networks. I mean, at least not from television wise news, there were news uh, radio stations, but uh, the idea of this breaking news report uh, just as he gets up and, and hits the button to, to turn the, the set off. Um, it, I mean, th- this has always been when you saw a, you know, like CBS special report or ABC special report on your screen, the world kind of stopped for a minute. And you want to, and because there'd be a pause and oh, you'd wonder what's next. I remember that. I mean, yeah. I can remember you'd, you'd come from the other room when you heard that. You know. Yeah. Right, and it, and it uh, unfortunately was usually bad news. It was an assassination or an assassination attempt. It was a major disaster, or in this case, what could have been the uh, the end of Apollo thirteen. I mean, it was scary, and and the sight of Jules Bergman, the great science editor for ABC, uh, you knew something was up at that point. Yeah, yeah, and this is uh, it, it. It was part of. I mean, this is like the emergency broadcast system. Only it wasn't a test. So um, now, Jordan, you've worked in uh, you've worked for CBS Radio, and uh, I know that they have breaking news and, and stuff when uh, when it goes to network. Physically, or you know, the the technical background of that, when a network breaks in, how does that happen on, say, a radio station? Sure, I mean it's still contemporary enough to talk about it. I mean, uh, a network will be in touch with the radio station off air. You know, almost consistently, they'll send updates. Uh, We're going to do a special report in 15 minutes about the president's speech or whatever. And most of the time it's, it's stuff that you can either take or not take. But if you have an example, the most stark example would be say the 9-11 issue. Many local radio stations, even ours, because it's a national story, rely on the network. So we would uh, immediately flip on the switch and bring the network up as the best source. And then later in the process, the local team takes over. And I was a talk show host, of course. So I, my role was to sort of talk with people about what they were hearing. I would imagine that, uh, that there's a lot, well, while that network uh, report is going on, there's a lot of scrambling on, on your side to figure out what to do next. Like when are your, when is it coming back to you and what, what are you going to say? That must be, do you remember any, I mean, were you working on nine 11? Well, not the day itself, but by that weekend I was, and I mean, everything, came to a screeching halt in terms of programming, as you know. Uh, but even today, when, when things happen, it's a similar story. I mean, you have reaction to something very strong and powerful. The most important thing is to get the information out, the latest up-to-date information, and then in a talk news format to converse about it, but with knowledge. I mean, we had the Boston Mass, uh, Boston Marathon bombing that everyone is familiar with but no more than we are. We're, we're the most familiar with it here. And uh, we had changing news literally for five days with the hunt for the uh, the terrorists and so forth. So it was a totally fluid situation. And there were times when we stopped 
regular local programming to go to our news in the field and then come back and comment. But you have to be aware of what's going on. You can't, when you're in my role as a talk host, you can't just throw information that you think might be true. You have to be as accurate as possible because people are listening, you know, and on edge to begin with. I would imagine that while you're while you're in the studio, you must feel simultaneously connected and disconnected to the things going on in the outside world. I mean, you're kind of like the nexus point for a lot of incoming news, but you're not there yourself, so you have to rely on what's coming in through your phone lines. If, well, yes, phone lines today, of course, it's it's digital information that's coming in, and even more quickly with uh, more volume and uh, the amount of information overload is insane. I mean, I. Uh, have not had anything like, uh, well, I guess the Boston Mass uh, Marathon bombing, I keep saying Boston Massacre, the Boston Marathon bombing would be the most recent case where it just enveloped the entire area, the entire country, but the entire area. And it was so quickly changing. And this was, you know, internet era. So there were rumors and, and uh, hashtags and all kinds of things. And what you have to do is weed through and go with the best possible source and obviously get confirmation on those sources. So it's a, and it's not a one man or one woman operation. It's a team effort. No question. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, now I know you've been in, gosh, you've been in, uh, radio since the world was young. Were you, uh, were you working during the challenger, uh, explosion? Uh, I was, but not for the talk side of things. I was doing a morning music show and I was, you know, the guy who woke people up and told them about the weather and played their music. So it still was a role that we had to play. We had to realize that people were in shock, people were in grief, and the tone of the program, even though we kept the music going, we selected songs that, we, or we, let's put it this way, we pulled certain songs that we didn't think were appropriate. So the orders, of course, come from higher up, from the staff in charge, but there's sort of a... Your instincts, if you're a broadcaster, as I've been trained, take over and you, you sort of have a sensitivity in that case. So I was not doing as much news and events and updates as I was you know, consoling and and trying to give the kind of tone to a program that some people would be listening to to, to ease their suffering. I've I've watched you work, Jordan. You know, being in your studio, and when you are handling a lot of things going on, you are like you are like an octopus with drumsticks. It's just amazing. <laughs> it it's amazing watching. Um, I I know there's a one of the things that I'm really impressed when I when I watch you is time is such a factor in radio and and in, and in TV too that you have to hit marks. And I've seen you talk up uh, to when when you go to the top of the hour for network that you could hit that post right to the second. And uh, I always, I'm always amazed at how you keep conversations going while you've got your eye on the clock. It's a, it's quite, quite a skill. It's, it's just like any other art form or any other career path. You get used to what you do. I mean, a, a first baseman knows how to scoop the ball out of the dirt. Uh, uh, a doctor knows how to uh, analyze for illness. We just do it automatically. Well, many of us anyway. And, uh, and it's actually fun. I mean, hitting the post, as you called it, Jim, is, is one of the sort of the high points of a, of a show. You, you feel proud of the fact that formatically you're doing what you're supposed to do. It's, a, it's an issue that uh, a lot of people, I think, have lost and in, the, in the modern age. But it's really the art of the, of, the, of the show, and it's really something I've enjoyed doing. 
Yeah, and you're expanding out now from uh, I mean the the traditional broadcast methods. I know that you're you're getting into uh, podcasting yourself with a, a rather fabulous uh, a series that I've been listening to uh, for for a bit. It's called On Mike. And could you tell us a little bit more about that show? Yeah, well, when I when I actually retired, quotes with quotation fingers, please. I retired from the late night show after. 20 plus years, uh, decided it was better to sleep in on the weekends once in a while. I decided, uh, you know, I really enjoy conversation. I enjoy people. Uh, and the people I really wanted to talk with on this podcast were people in the creative arts, broadcasters, voiceover talent, actors, writers, directors, uh, musicians even, and people who have something to say. And it's been over a year. I've had a great time doing it. I do about one a week. And it's called On Mike with Jordan Rich. And you, by the way, Mr. O'Kane, are slated to be one of my victims very, very soon. Yes, I am looking forward to that very much. It's, uh, it's, I, I am pleased to be in such good company. Uh, the um, the amount of people you have, especially one of my friends, I love voiceover, uh, voiceover people. They are so, I could listen to pipes all day. And you've got one of the best in the business. So uh, I, I am looking forward to it. I hope I don't say too many ums and uhs that you'd have to edit out. But, we can uh, yeah. easily excise. I call myself an aesthetician with sound. <laughs> Don't worry. If there's a, a little burp or something, we'll take care of it. Oh, fantastic. Wow. Well, uh, where can people find your show? Well, they can just uh, do a search for On Mike with Jordan Rich. I'm on all the platforms that you might expect, including Apple, of course. Uh, they can also go to my company website where we host uh, the site. It's chart, like a map, C-H-A-R-T Productions. Uh, with an S at the end, chartproductions.com. And there's a link for the Jordan Rich podcast. And we're doing a podcast for a variety of clients. So it's it's become uh, a staple of the work that I'm doing. And I really love it. It's really fun. And you're still doing uh, uh, work with voiceover actors to teach them how to be better at their craft too. Yes, absolutely. Been teaching for many, many, many years. Love that. Work with people uh, young, middle-aged and older. And uh, the the essence of their voice when I can bring it out a little bit and enable them to to learn a little bit about this craft and then see them succeed, it's the greatest feeling. And so I've continued to do that. I learn when I teach, as most teachers will tell you, and it's been uh, it's been a great ride. I probably should come in for a couple of seminars, but <laughs> yeah, wow. you well, don't work. You're the best. Awesome. Wow. Well, Jordan, thanks so again so much for being on our show. Uh, for folks uh, wanting to listen to our show, if you haven't caught up on previous episodes, go to Apollo13Minute.com, Apollo13Minute.com. You can catch up on all of our previous episodes and read summaries of same. Uh, you can find us online for your downloading pleasure at either iTunes or Google Play. Uh, if you'd like to talk back with us on social media, we're available at all the usual spots, Facebook at the Apollo 13 Minute Mission Control or on Twitter at Apollo 13 Minute. Looks like we're coming up on Lost of Signal in about 30 seconds, so we will see you here next time on the Apollo 13 Minute. Thank you.